I am really thankful for the opportunity to preach the word today. I'm going to give you a fair warning, okay? Fair warning. This is the most odd Christmas sermon you will ever hear. I'm just going to warn you. I'm just, Jason, I'm warning you now, okay? It's the most odd. Everybody just say, I, I, I saw it coming, okay? I've warned you. Uh, as I was typing this, Laura was t- took me to Isaiah and these different passages about kingship and his authority. And, and I just, as I'm writing, I'm like, Lord, I, do you, do you want to say that? And I felt such this big, almost like a burden of, of um, um, I'm not putting myself with them, obviously, but what you would imagine, right? Jeremiah or some of these prophets would feel when they would go and, and say, hey, hey, it's almost like a warning today, Okay. So can everybody just put your hand on your heart, maybe, and and let's just pray together. Father, we want to tell you that we are open to hear from your word, Lord, to to have your Holy Spirit illuminate your word, and to do any course correction in our hearts, Lord, if maybe we, we have not placed you as newborn king. Lord, maybe if we've put you as savior, but not really king, Lord, we, I pray that by the end of this sermon, that those who are tuning in online and those who are in this room would would surrender those parts of our lives that where we've wanted to have control and we've wanted to be the king. We've wanted to rule. God, by the end of the sermon, the end of the service, God, today, that 100% of us would be surrendered to your lordship, your kingship, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. I thought it was really neat. I, Allison had every one of those songs was talking about his kingship. How many know God has a message today because this is called Newborn King. In fact, y'all can put this, the, uh, the first slide up there. This is a four-part series I've been doing um, for this Christmas, and this is uh, line two because I just felt like God said, hey, just preach from Isaiah 9-6. Isaiah 9-6. So if you got your Bibles, turn there. It's also uh, in our mobile app and in your Bible app there. Isaiah 9-6. Unto us a child. Actually, I love to read the key verse out loud. Can we all read it out loud? Here we go. Let's read it out loud. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sorry I was reading a little fast. I talk fast. My wife, everybody's always told me that. You preach, you talk so fast. Slow down. So I should have been like Prince of Peace. But anyway, uh, the father gave his son. And I want to tell you this, the son of God became the son of man, so the sons of men could become the sons of God. I want to say it again, the son of God became the son of man, so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. That's the whole reason for Christmas. I mean, we could, I could walk off stage right now and be like, have a good week, <laughs> right? That is the gospel, and that is why Jesus came. But I was struck because I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, take each line. So last week in Kinsman, I talked about the son being given. I'm going to spend about five minutes there. Uh, but then we're going to talk about him as newborn king. So let's just talk about this real quick. The father gave his son. In Luke 20, verse 9, we see the gospel on full display. And it seems like a bit of a harsher passage. But nonetheless, this is what the Holy Spirit led me to. Speaking of the sacrifice, again, um, the Father, guys, Jesus existed before he came to earth. So we have to remember that. The Father gave the, gave the Son. The Son already existed. That's the beauty of that line. A Son has been given. It's powerful. Right? I'm going to give you my Son. Now, 
Jesus is teaching about this, this concept in Luke 20, verse 9. He says, A man planted a vineyard, leased it to tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. At harvest time, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant. But they also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. A third man was sent, and they wounded him and chased him away. This represents the prophets who came before Jesus, even Moses, different leaders that God had sent uh, to the people of Israel. So verse 13, what will I do, the owner said. I know I will send my cherished son. Come on, guys, I will, I will send my cherished son. That's Jesus. Surely they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw his son, they said to each other, here comes the heir of his estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them? Jesus asked. I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease it to the vineyard to others. How terrible such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. Jesus looked at them and said, well, then what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone who falls on it. Wow, that's a very inspiring, magical sermon you got there, Jordan. Um, we got farmers murdering <laughs> visitors. That's great. Stones crushing people. Wow, I feel so moved, right? Okay, so I know, again, this is going to be a little different, but I want you to remember this morning why the son came. The son came to forgive you and I, to reconcile us to the Father, but also to establish a new kingdom, a new way of life, a way that was different and foreign to us before that. I mean, if you look at this, this is why the farmers rejected him. They wanted their, they wanted to insist their way. Let's steal the estate. Because everything, right, apart from the Lord uh, is, is let's steal, take, make myself greater. But no, what does Jesus come? Jesus sacrifices himself and he comes humbly, born of Mary, born of a carpenter, but this line kept striking, striking me, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, we've been made more aware of the government than ever this year. Amen, right? Never in my life, guys. 30, I'm only 37. I like how I said that? I'm only 37. Only. I'm not 40 yet. Come on. Uh, but in my 37 years, right, I've heard more uh, from state, local, and federal government, right, than ever before in this year. Uh, and again, if you're worried that today is going to be like a political speech, don't worry, it's not. That's not me. If you know me, you know that's not me at all. But I will say that the government, that what the Bible says about the government and that Jesus will rule and reign forever, what does that verse say? The government shall be upon his shoulders. Either you believe that or you don't. And so I want to say to you, you can only have one king. You can only really have one king. And yes, I'm all for obeying governmental rules, of course. But where the Lord led me is that there will come a day where you will have to choose. And I feel the burden of the Lord. I hope you hear me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some scripture from Revelation. I'm going to give you some scripture from the Bible. And you can read it for yourself. And, and you can always, in fact, I've said that from this pulpit, is, you know, when Rock of Grace pastors, when we're preaching, if you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, read the, go to the Bible, test it. Make sure you're reading on your own and you know what the word says. All right, so Christ has come to be our newborn king. Can everybody maybe say that with me? Christ has come to be our newborn king. Right? As Christians, we must realize 
that yes, we're citizens of America, for those of you that are in America listening, but more than that, we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of another place, guys. You cannot forget that. I love, in fact, one of my favorite passages is from Philippians uh, 3, right? That we are citizens of heaven and that our ultimate authority is Jesus. And I got to say, if you can't assert him as your ultimate authority, the one to whom you know you will give an account, he is the one. He is the one. That dictates your eternity. He has ultimate and all authority. And if we can't assert that, then you've not yet received him as newborn king. You've received him as savior. But there's a difference. There's a difference. It's just like with repentance. There's a difference between repentance and regret, right? Regret is, oh, I feel bad. I wish I wouldn't done it. Repentance is godly sorrow, Paul talks about. There's a difference. And the same thing is true with this idea that either Jesus, I almost wish I had a whiteboard this morning because I, I can picture, it's like, it's like if you could just picture I drew like this little umbrella, right, this little blue umbrella. We say this is, our, this is our government that we should always follow them. Absolutely, it's what Romans 13 says, of course. But then I want to tell you there's this big red umbrella that is Jesus. And the Bible's very clear. We're going to look at a couple places that there are times when we as Christians um, may look as if you're doing something different than a, a government or a ruler wants you to do, but it's because of your allegiance to who? King Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that's tomorrow. What I'm about to read, I'm not saying it's going to happen next week. It could happen 10 years from now. All I, know is th all I know is what the Lord put on my heart to share. So you guys still open? You guys still doing okay? Nobody's throwing stones yet? Pastor Dave, if anybody throws stones, man, that's, your, that's you. That's you, bro. Family pastor, you stop the stone. Okay. All right, he says, put your Jackie Chan anointing on him. All right, <laughs> did I just say that? Sometimes I just wish I could, Joey, I could just put the words right back in, you know? So this is good news. This is good news. You and I don't belong on this earth. That's why I love the artist that was over this weekend. He was singing, God, you, you're, you as Father, you are where I belong. And it was such this beautiful song. And it's like, man, if we could get every Christian to understand that your journey here is temporary. It's so temporary. Like, Jason, I am glad you're with us. But I got some good news for you. Even if you went to be with Jesus, you'd, you'd probably be having a better time right, right now. I mean, I'm glad you're here. But I'm just saying, the real you... The real you, the spirit of Jason, the, his core, is going to heaven. Whether it's a heart attack at, at, at 40 or a heart attack at 95, right? The real you has an eternal place in heaven. And this life is temporary. If everybody could just do this. I want you to see this this morning. This life is temporary, all right? The law of God, the government of God is love, right? His law is love. His gospel is peace. The prophets made this clear. He will write his law upon their hearts. One of my favorite passages. It talks about this time in the history of mankind when we have the Spirit of God transforming us into the children of God so that you are not obligated to do the right thing. You want to do the right thing. Why? He's written his law upon your heart. Your name is Julie, right? I know I'm going to have a prophetic word for you today. I don't know what it's going to be, but I just keep thinking that. And I don't know when, but it's going to be awesome. I just feel like God is just, yeah, I just want to pray for you right now. Can you guys just stretch your hands towards Julie? Father, thank you for Julie. 
I see this, Julie, I see this very pleasant Christmas lamppost. And I don't know what it means, but it's like this lamppost. It's almost like the one you would see in Narnia. And um, you're just there. You're gentle. You're not demanding. You're, you're the love of, your love for Jesus is a light to people. And it makes them flock to you. It makes them go, where's the lamp? Where's the lamp? I got to get back to that lamppost. I got to get back to my love for Jesus. I know. I'll call Julie. And it's almost like you're that lamppost. This is the strangest word I've ever given, but it's like you're that lamppost in Narnia. And people just know they can come back home to the Father when they come to you. That if they want to make their way back home, back to the Father, they say, where's the lamp? I'm going to call Julie. And so, Father, I thank you for that anointing on her life, that she's like this gentle, unassuming, yet powerful, life-giving lamppost. She's just, she's, she's just there. She's consistent. She's faithful. That's what I hear really loud in my spirit. That light post was always there, always faithful for those kids to come back to. It's always there. And your, your consistent, consistency and your faithfulness really blesses the Lord, Julie. It really puts a smile on his face. And your faithfulness, I also want to say, has impacted more people than you know. There's been people who are, it's almost like they're lost in Narnia, okay, but then they'll go, they'll discuss you. They'll discuss, uh, yeah, but you know what? If we could get back to a childlike faith, oh, yeah, like Julie, <laughs> if I could just make my way back to that lamp, and it's a beautiful thing. So I bless your spirit, Julie. It's awesome. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Is it Julie or Julia? Because I always get it wrong. Julie. Okay, great. Oh, man, you little lamppost. <laughs> I just want to hug that little lamppost, you know? Okay, sorry. Um, where was I at? Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect. All right? It's reviving the soul. It's reviving the soul. Now, the reason I said that is because this next line. The law of the Lord is perfect, re uh, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is, is sure, making wise the simple. Now, I included this because what I'm about to say and what you might say in the next 10 years People will mock you. I'm just warning you. You say, well, but Revelation says that this government is going to demand that I take this mark, this 666 thing, and it's got that all over it, and I don't want to do that. And they might say, oh, you're so simple. Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, I want to read a, a verse for you. The law of the Lord makes wise the simple. Do you know the wisest thing you can do is fear the Lord? And honor his word. And so if you feel in 20 years from now, again, it could happen in 20 years. It could happen in 10 years. I'm not saying this is happening tomorrow. I'm just saying that there will come a time when you have to decide, oh, I don't think this honors the newborn king. I can't get a peace about this because Jesus is the prince of peace. We've already read three verses about that. And he puts his peace right there in your heart, Dave, right there in your gut. And so if the government ever tells you something, you have to do this or you can't buy or sell. 
then you know you are living out the book of Revelation. It's right in his word, and it will be right here in your spirit, because, Joey, that's where God talks to you, right there. There'll be something in you that says there's not a piece about this. All right? You guys still doing okay? All right. So, respecting God and his word, asserting him and him alone as your supreme authority more than any man or earthly government does not make you simple or gullible. No, it makes you wise. It makes you a Bible-believing child of the newborn king. So why did Jesus come? To save us from our sins. Some of you are like, get to the Christmas story already. All right, Luke 4. Luke 4. Here we go. I know some of you are thinking it's Luke 2. No, not yet. Not yet. We're going to Luke 4 first. We'll get to the Christmas story. Just holds. I know some of you are like, look, I need some Disney music and some Luke 2 right now. You got to wait. You got to wait. Luke 4. When the devil had, ent- had ended every temptation, Jesus, let me just give you a pretext real quick. Jesus uh, was drawn by the Holy Spirit, it says. So this was an ordained season from the Lord. Ordained from, from the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. And we pick up. The devil had ended every temptation. He departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went throughout the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. I love this. You ready for this? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Right? To declare the year of the Lord's favor. This is the purpose of God in your life. To set you free from sin. And if you're listening online, you say, no, I, I don't have sin. I've never sinned. I, I was a Boy Scout. I was a Royal Ranger, number one. I, I'm really a good guy, Jordan. You don't understand. No, I don't care if you're a Boy Scout. I don't care if you uh, were in the Navy and you've never stolen anything but that one Snickers bar when you were 11. Sir, it doesn't matter. You've sinned, and you've fallen short of the glory of God just like I have. And we need Jesus to save us from our sins. But I said, Lord, why are you leading me to this, this moment where Jesus started his ministry and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And I felt like in my spirit I wanted to say this. For those of you who are listening online and those of you here, I'm going to challenge you real quick. Put your hand on your heart real quick. Are you open for challenge? This is what I hear the Lord said. There's some of us who want the anointing, but not the poor. Right? We want the favor, but not the broken. But the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? To, relate, to, to give this freedom to the captives, to proclaim good news to the poor. And what saddens my heart is sometimes listening uh, to, to other ministers online or even friends of mine, sometimes even friends I went to Bible college with. Sometimes you just shake your head and it's like, it's like sometimes there's this thing in the, in the Pentecostal church. And by the way, that's us. We're full gospel. We believe in the Holy Spirit. That makes us, quote, Pentecostal. Anyway, there's sometimes this love for the, the Spirit, the anointing, 
But on our way to feel the anointing, we walk right past the orphan and the poor and the broken, and that's where Jesus is. And we say, no, but what about the anointing that comes when Allison sings? I got to be there. Trust me, I got to be there too. I love it. But you know where Jesus also is? He's with the eight-year-old that doesn't know his mom and dad. And when you will stop and kneel down and sit with them and hear their story, now you're getting the gospel. I'm just, I'm lovingly challenging you today that if in the last three years, maybe you've not had one person at your dining table that doesn't know the Lord. Right? Are we okay with getting some hard questions today? I'm, I'm, I'm letting the Lord ask me hard questions. What if in the last five years, we haven't had one person from work at our house, but we love to go to church? You guys still doing okay? Because here's what Jesus said. He did not say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to be in the synagogue every day. Yeah. He didn't say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to sing Bethel music and high five Pastor Joey. Those moments are awesome. And you guys and y'all that know me well, you know I love worship. I love being in the presence. But I want to tell you, the anointing is not for goosebumps. It's to set captives free. It's to love the broken. It's to say to the poor, I'm there for you. Guys, I teared up the other day when my wife, she, I said, what are you doing? She told me this story. God moved on her. She met someone. I won't, t- I won't say who it is because we're online, obviously. But someone had gone through something where a, a great deal of money was stolen. And she writes out this check. And I'm like, honey, that's a big check. And she's like, she just kind of teared up. She's like, well, I felt like God said it was stolen, but I want to give it back to him. I'm like, come on. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. That's what I'm talking about. I want us as Christians to enter that again. Where we care about when someone is struggling financially. We care if someone doesn't know a mom or dad. Right? And then we care about why Jesus came. You see, his government helps the poor, it helps the poor, or the, the broken, the, the needy. We've, we've had good discussions with this in our staff before, like just about uh, government's role and different things. And a lot of times we want to say, well, yeah, well, it's the government's job. And then you read the Bible, you're like, oh, wait, no, that's our job. By the way, I don't think the government would feel such a need to take care of those in need if the church was doing its job. If we read Acts, if we read the book of Acts, Right? All right, I'll get off of that. Okay, here we go. When you forget, let's go down. Media team, I know I'm a little over, a little out of, my, out of place, so forgive me. Middle of page six there. When you forget that God is supreme government, the ruler, you'll make yourself ruler. All right? When you forget that Jesus is newborn king, you will assert yourself as uh, higher than others. You'll start making judgment calls, telling people, uh, where they're consistently or constantly wrong. Again, the problem with spending all your energy finding out who's wrong is now you don't have the mental energy to find out who's hurting and broken 
and poor and in need of God's love. You only have so much mental energy. You know, you can only focus on one thing at a time. And if you'll focus on who is around you that needs the gospel, that's where it's at. So I want to juxtaposition real quick King Herod and King Jesus, because now you're like, oh, finally, we're getting the Christmas story. Okay, so Herod, Herod, man, Herod was a messed up dude. Now, I'm all for, like, ambition. I'm all for vision, right? I'm, I'm all for somebody who wants to, you know, do something. That's great. But Herod had a, a very selfish ambition. In fact, it, it became very real when I was in Israel two years ago. We went up to uh, this huge, huge mountain where he had built one of his many palaces. And Joey, it wasn't like this is where I'm going to live in my, my nice little place. No, this was this immaculate on top of many palaces. And he had controlled and built aqueducts so he could control the water supply. Okay? And... Uh, the thing is, he was a very egotistical ruler, right? And so he was the king. So when he heard, when he heard a baby was born and going to take his job, he wasn't having it. Okay? He was like, no. So I want to give you a little context here. King Agrippa was the one who persecuted Paul, all right? And the disciples sarcastically rebuked Paul in the book of Acts. And he tried to convert him to Christianity. Herod was, again, ambitious. And he wasn't satisfied with just being in charge. He was, he was this builder. He had the most beautiful woman, Cleopatra, if you're into history. She was known as the most beautiful woman ever or whatever, right? Like, like he, he's like, I'm marrying up. I don't know what is. Anyway, anyway. Okay. <laughs> anybody, anybody married up? Your like, wife is just beautiful. You know what I'm talking about? I, yeah, come on, somebody. But you better say yes to that, by the way. If you say no, holy cow, I just set you up. Some of you guys are like, meh, <laughs> and you're in the basement for a month. Okay. All of us men, you married up, whether you realize it or not. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. So vision is good, but selfish ambition is, is bad, right? So vision is good. Vision is when you want to serve others. You want to build something to, to help and to serve others. Uh, selfish ambition is, is bad, and it leads you to a, a sense of a need for control. So suddenly these three men come to visit King one day, and they're known as Magi or wise men. And uh, we read about this in Matthew chapter 2, right, that he's about to be replaced by a, a toddler. There's a new Jewish king that's been born. We've come to worship him, right? So King Herod is not about, not about to let someone take his place, and, and he lies to them. and He says, oh, tell me where he is so I can worship him too. He does not want to worship him, by the way, right? King Herod lies to them, find this newborn king, tell me where he is so I can rep and report to me so I can worship him. The Magi leave Herod's place and follow the star, and they find Jesus, the newborn king, in a barn with Mary and Joseph. And despite the condition they found him, they knew the prophecy about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, and they worshipped him. And after they worship baby Jesus, they lodge for the night, and they get a dream from God to leave town and not to return to King Herod. Everybody say, smart move. Smart move, right? Because Herod was filled with the Antichrist spirit. The Antichrist spirit is the same as, as the spirit of murder. This is why he says, I'm going to kill every baby two and under. How many realize you are messed up if you say, I'm going to kill every baby boy two and under? So you can't read that passage and not tell me he wasn't filled uh, with a demonic spirit. That's well beyond human. Everybody realize you're, you're filled at that point 
with a, a sense of evil to say, I'm going to kill, I'm going to murder every baby boy two and under. So filled with this demonic spirit. Now pick up with me at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now when the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now some of you are like, man, what happened to Silent Night? No crying he makes. This sermon has all kinds of murder. And Listen, this is the real stuff. This is what happened in the Bible. Satan wanted to stop Jesus. Satan wanted to stop Jesus. Going to great lengths. Why? Because Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to set up a new government, a new way of living with him as Lord. So look what it said. Remain there. Remain there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years older under According to the time, it had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Can you imagine the sound of sorrow? Imagine thousands of weeping moms. This gives you an indication of the power of Jesus coming. Satan wanted to stop it. Satan wanted to stop it. Pretty bad, huh? The Antichrist spirit is that same spirit that, that filled Herod. It's the, it's the uh, spirit of murder. So how you respond to the news of the newborn king also determines your future. Will you truly accept him as Jesus, as king and lord of all? Over every other ruler... Even if that ruler is you. We're really zooming out here for a minute. Because we're going to get back to this idea of, of, of a ruler that goes against the word of God. But how about you? How about the ruler in the mirror? And I really feel led to be real personable again. Is that okay? Because right before you shared that story of your friend who was prompted by the Spirit to keep giving during a, a time of loss, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me two stories. One of Danielle from just the other day, and then one about a friend of mine named Greg. Can I tell you Greg's story real quick? Because this has to do with kingship. See, we like to say he's king, but then the Holy, the Holy Spirit nudges us and says, hey, give that guy $100, and we say, oh, let's just turn up the worship music. I don't want to hear that. Let me turn my Bethel back up. The Holy Spirit's trying to talk to me to be sacrificial, but uh, let me just distract my mind. Greg had started a church in Columbus, uh, Greg Ford is his name, good friend of mine. We did a lot of youth camp ministry together. And his board came to him after a year or two, I think it was two years, and he was working part-time at, at a, uh, a gym. And the board said, hey, people are really giving their tithes and offerings. It's beautiful. We're able to take you on full-time. You can, you can quit your, your gym, the gym job. So he's on his way home, Joey, right? And he's like, he's like thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've delivered me from that gym. You know, and God's like, I didn't tell you to quit. Did you ask me about this? And Greg's like, well, no. So God tells him, I don't want you to quit. 
And he says, he, now he's arguing. Anybody ever argue with the Lord? Okay, just me and Kitty. Anybody else? Okay, all of you are like, okay, thank God. Okay, I argue with the Lord all the time. So in his arguing, he's like, Lord, you know we need a new car. Our car is on its last leg. He said this car was a joke. It was like, you know, it was on its last leg. If you've ever had one of those, I had one in college. Oh, call it the Big Green Burger. It was like 20 feet long. It was a station wagon. It was terrible. Anyway, it's on his last leg. And guess what? He felt like the Holy Spirit said, keep working there. Just be faithful because there's going to be more people that come from the gym to, to get saved, and you're supposed to pastor them still. He tells the board two days later, the next day someone shows up at his driveway with a brand new car. Come on, somebody. Is God good or what? God said, I'll take care of that. See, that's what kingship is about because he's the king. And so what I want to ask you again is, is he really king? Is he really king? Like over every, like your finances, over everything in your life. Where if he says, will you do that? Will you do that? Will you surrender to him as kings or as king? I want to tell you real quick about Nebuchadnezzar. These three boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then there's this king named Nebuchadnezzar. These three Jewish boys were considered righteous by God for rebelling against their government that had taken them captive. Why? Their government had become evil and demanded them to worship and obey their rules that conflicted with God's rules. Now, they rebelled not to be rebellious. That's just dumb. Right? And no one today is advising you to become rebellious to be rebellious. But they rebelled to be righteous, to be obedient. King Nebuchadnezzar was unwilling to worship God and demanded to be worshipped, just like King Herod. And when the new King Jesus comes, you can either believe and become a worshiper, or you can pretend that you're king. But I want to tell you, the Word of God became flesh. Jesus, King of all creation, was born to us, a son was given. And his word says he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to save us because we needed saved from our sins. And he comes to bring justice and mercy. And he makes all things right through you and me. And remember that moment in Luke chapter 4 when we read about Jesus saying, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news, to set captive free. I want to tell you another prophecy about Jesus. Luke, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch from his root shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see. You see, and that same anointing is on you, and it's upon you, and it's upon you, and it's upon you. That anointing from Christ, he gives you that anointing to preach the gospel and to discern right from wrong. He gives you that anointing to bring justice, to walk humbly, and to walk in mercy. Right? To not just judge by what your eyes see, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide equity for the meek of the earth. Equity, equity, 
Don't look to a governmental authority to bring equity. That's your job. You're the church. You're the one Jesus has anointed and Jesus has filled you with his spirit to say to the poor, I care about you. You were stolen from? I care about that. Let me show you God's love. You don't have a mom and dad? I'll be your mom and dad. Whatever the opportunity, you need a meal tonight? Come into my house. Amen? Righteousness shall be the belt upon his waist. Faithfulness, the belt of his loins. That Jesus lives in you to express his compassion to those around you. That's what the government means. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And he anoints you. And again, I want to say, there will be a time, Revelation is clear, that you will be forced to choose to be under the government of this world or the government of Jesus. And I love you enough to warn you. If you don't know that, you need to read Matthew 25. You need to read the book of Revelation. If I can be very candid with you, I'm not saying this is happening next week. Pastor David, I'm not saying this is happening next month. I'm not putting a date on Jesus' return. I'm just saying when he came as a baby that night, that started a whole new thing. That started the government will be upon his shoulders. Guys, he's bringing a new Jerusalem, a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to split the sky. His feet is going to hit the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two. The word says a river is going to run straight there, straight to the city of Jerusalem. And I want to tell you now, either he is your king or he is not. And when the government tells you, hey, you have to take this to buy or sell, you're going to have a choice. Either I can believe what Pastor Jordan and what Pastor Joey and what all my, what Randy, what other pastors and leaders have told me about, that there would come a day, there would come a day when I would be demanded to take a mark so that I could neither buy or sell if I didn't take it. Friend, you know you are living in what's called the end times, a time when you will have to decide either Jesus is king or not. I'm not saying this is next week. I'm not saying this is next month. I'm just saying, I think we're closer than ever. That's all I'm saying. And I got to tell you, it about made me cry when I mentioned this to a couple pastors and one rolled his eyes at me. I said, I, All I said, I said, you know, when you look at everything that's happened this year, we're one step closer to globalism and a man of peace rising and saying, I will take care of you. Everybody in the world, I will be the one to take care of you. Now, if you'll just do this, take this mark. It's going to keep you safe, and it's going to make sure you can buy or sell. We can keep track of everybody, and I'm going to put my mark on man. Let me tell you something. Only God, only God has the right to put his mark on you. Only God. Why? He put his image on you. He put his image on you, Joey. Allison, he put his image in you. Amen? And I'm t I love you enough if you're listening online. Maybe you're listening to this and it's 2023. And you thought 2020 was crazy. I'm just saying. Maybe 2012. This isn't a, you know, doom and gloom. I'm just saying. 2023, 2022 might be really crazy. And there might be things expected of you. There might be things demanded of you that when you read the Bible you, and, and you pray and the Holy Spirit says no, then you might have to say no. Because sometimes when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And sometimes when you say yes to someone, you're saying no to someone. 
And sometimes to say yes to King Jesus, you're going to have to say no to an earthly king. I'm not saying go rebel against the government right now. Nobody go out of here misquoting me. I'm just saying there will come a time. There will come a time. Stand up with me as we close. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as the newborn king. Before I do that, I want to read this from Isaiah 65. For behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be. They will not even come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. How many knows that when a man tries to rule all things, it's not going to be a joy. It's not going to be a gladness. Right? But look at this. When Jesus says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in the sound of the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old. And my chosen shall live long and enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor or vain, in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring of blessed of the Lord, their descendants with them. Before I call them, they will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. Oh, just close your eyes and picture this, guys. The wolf and the lamb are just hanging out. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. He says, heaven is my throne next. Doesn't that sound like kingship? Heaven is my throne. It sounds like authority. It sounds like absolute authority. He says, the earth is my footstool and heaven is my throne. What is the house that you're going to build for me? What is the place of my rest? All of these things my hand has made so that all these things came to be, declares the Lord. This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Did you hear that? That last part, that's our job. The rest of that was God's job. But that, rasp, that last part, that's our job. I want to read it again. He who is humble. Humble enough to say I was wrong. Contrite in spirit. And trembles at the word of God. Trembles. When is the last time you've trembled at the word of God? God is making himself a people who are completely 100% surrendered to him. I want to say that again. God is making a people who are 100% surrendered to him.